0: Hey, good morning, Facebook universe. This is Andre from the RC After Hours podcast, and we're actually going to be going live with our friend Alpha from Motion RC very shortly. Um,. Yeah, we decided to do a quick little podcast. Actually, the boys are away. Chris just sent me a photo of some beautiful location, and so we thought we'd try something a little different to keep the content rolling. Uh, the last couple of weeks, I've been unavailable, he's been unavailable, Mike's been unavailable. So we've really just not been able to get to our, our our ducks in a row. Um, and so we decided we would try something a little different and see if we could do a broadcast, I guess, remotely from the $50 studio, my my, my basement. So the stream might not be as awesome as normal, um, pushing my connection pretty hard, hosting and sharing and everything off one line. But we are recording for the podcast, so the audio is our key uh, and most important uh, aspect of it. So without uh, further delay, I'm gonna bring our guest on obviously we won't get to see the man uh himself because he's uh he likes to hide his visuals um so you're gonna see a nice little skype bubble on the online and the rest of it we should be able to hear it good morning alpha or what time is it where you are now anyhow
1: it's 9 p.m. Uh, in in North Pole here. <laughs> you yeah. all are too busy flying. Chris is out. Everyone's having fun on a on a sunny Oh summer. yeah, well this is it. Which is uh,
0: good. You know what? I actually haven't flown in a bit. I I the last little trip we went to a cottage uh, area for, with for my wife. And I didn't realize it was an active sea base. And I actually had my uh, UMX Timber on floats and everything ready to go. Um, but as soon as you're in an active zone, that's like, what, a five kilometer radius from an airport? So there was no way I was yeah. going to be allowed to fly that thing. You know? And it was like, ah, oh, heartbroken, but I'm going to play by the rules and respect yeah. all, all those uh, laws and everything. Uh, so everybody saying yeah. good morning and uh, chiming in. Uh, I will try to pay attention to uh, to some of the comments on uh, on Facebook as we go, but obviously my focus is to produce a pretty coherent and solid um, podcast uh, for the audio end of it so to that end uh, it'll be a nice little conversation talking about the hobby in general with uh, with alpha and uh, you know I don't think we're going to ramble on for two hours because that that would be a long show with just me and you Um, but I'm sure we could probably fill in a lot of content in that time Um, so here we go I'm sure we could so uh oh and then the motion uh i, I can see james is up and working away because he just tweeted out to to the uh or, or just messaged out to the rest of the <laughs> facebook universe on uh the motion rc that we are podcasting away and live on a good Sunday morning. Like you said, it is nice outside. Uh, the winds are up a little bit, and I could be out flying, but uh, we're going to try and do this because, yes, it has been a long time. Um, good morning, James. <laughs> yeah, he's chatting away. Good morning, yes. morning, so, uh So jumping in, anything new and interesting? Actually, I will say uh, yesterday I did something I didn't think I would do, and I sold the jet.
1: You sold well, not just a jet, the, but a jet that you never, had. Yes. Bought.
0: Well, okay. So that was and had never, never flown, flown. And, and that that is a <laughs> horrible trend that I need to fix. Um, there are a lot of explanations for all that non flying in my life right now. There are a lot of really good explanations, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, it was the the older F five from uh, from Motion RC, a nice airplane. But as you had pointed out to me, an older, um, older design mentality. I noticed right away when I would compare it yeah. to my the Hawk, a much different product. Um, you could oh, see yeah. how the molding was different, and just and you could see all the potential brake parts actually, all like especially along the nose, the way that nose was joined in and everything. Fantastic airplane, you know, nice yep. EDF, nice eighty mil but um man it's that's the the designs and the ideas the design yeah, of the time. yeah yeah like this this is it was a <laughs> much older aircraft um James actually says he's driving home from Nef uh looked like it was a really neat event yeah, he's, so yeah
1: yeah James is, fly, is is driving home i think i think they're on the road 10 or 12 hours to get back from Nephy it's uh, it's the AMA show in their backyard so i just pinged him on WeChat and of course of course workaholic he's going to uh, he's going to listen in james keep your yeah, eyes no on the kidding, road man buddy. no kidding alex better be driving <laughs> but uh, yeah the f5 it's it's in i i take it as a good thing in in the past 5 years we've seen such a what i call a meteoric progression in how edfs are conceptualized just from the very beginning how they're going to go together how they're going to fit all the way through to production and and as you mentioned, sort of the overall impression of the model when it's sitting, when, when you have a 2013, 2014 era design looking at a 2017 or 18, it's only been three or four years at that point. And yet the differences are significant. So so we're excited. And um, we do still sell a, a, quite a bit of a, of that F five, but but um, but you're right. So so you sold it off. Huh?
0: Uh, yeah, the previous owner came back and just said he was looking to uh, he was looking to just you know replenish his stock. Uh, so I didn't lose anything on it, and he didn't gain anything on it, or vice versa. Um, so my intention too was to, uh, re, re- so he, he bought, bought it, back. it back. Yeah. He decided, um, it had actually had crashed. Um, he had had a brownout, and the thing went over the tree line and kind of just pancaked into a farm field really nicely. And this is the brown one. I've actually got it up on the, uh, the, uh, uh live stream so people can see it. Um, and I, t- I had intended to respray it into more of an RCAF, obviously, uh, color scheme. Um, you know, what struck me about this airplane was how
1: tiny those ailerons are. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and your, the current owner would tell you the roll rate on that aircraft is very quick, even considering how small the, the overall proportion of surface area that aileron yeah. is. Um, pretty amazing, huh?
0: It, it, it's a, it's a, it was a striking aircraft, and it was funny because earlier on, before I was getting into the EDFs, I should I should preface this. You know, I love my EDFs. I just don't have enough time, or, and it I I find for the EDFs, I really gotta be in the mood to fly them um, because the um, stress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you gotta be you've gotta be willing to accept the fact that you could in theory burn this jet in at any moment's notice you know like you've got to be ready for that fact you know that this thing could something and and it will happen and it's it's (laughs) it will happen over time um the odds are that yep something's gonna go wrong and that jet is gonna you're gonna be saying goodbye to something you know and uh it's happened to it's
1: not even about feeling lucky it's just about you got to be feeling right yeah
0: yeah and it's um there's a certain stress we've talked about it in the shows before there's a certain stress level to flying into edf because you're on that (laughs) clock you know tick 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 tick. okay i've taken off i've done my circuits and uh now i gotta land this thing
1: (laughs) (laughs) right it's not a radian you can't take a nap no
0: no and it's funny (laughs) because um you know, people talk about flying, you know, multiple aircraft and I find with jets, it's almost better to, um, uh, is memory muscle the wrong word to describe something like that where you, you've got to get your, no. you've got to get yourself, um, back into a rhythm. And cause every jet I find is just a little bit different. They all have their own nuances, their own requirements to sure. land, you know, um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, this success. Eddie Eddie Black says 6S jets rock, but oh oh my goodness, death at your fingertips. Yeah, it's pre- you know like I said, you've got to be willing to say yeah, this thing is gonna go. And I've had <laughs> a few heart attacks over time. I've. Burned in that poor old <laughs> F sixteen. Um, you know, I've had a couple of interesting uh, issues with the uh, with the Flex Jet, um, and I'm hoping this fall, uh, later into the summer, uh, things settle down and I get to, to to rock out a couple of those other nice jets. I mean, yeah, I'm down one, and I don't know if I'm going to replace it yet either.
1: Um, you know that that has been an... well. You can take you can take a break. You're forgiven. I mean, the the threat of a dynamic dirt nap is is real. I get it. <laughs> um it's part of what keeps us in business but um yeah but you know it's also something we deal with every day here on on my end it's sort of interesting because every day we're flying prototypes and there's a there's a phase at which you you want to baby it because there's only one um and and you need that you need to collect that data if you if you kill it you don't get the data you start again so there's that initial phase where you're babying it. There's, there's massive pucker factor. It never gets old. You're always very concerned, and you go through a massive pre-flight list, et cetera. But then once the aircraft moves closer towards production and you have a few of these, then we move into destructive testing where it's the exact opposite. The point is to kill it. You know, The point is to put the G-meter on the wings and spin it until it shreds itself to pieces. And and we need to see what that threshold is so we can then attenuate the design to ensure that that doesn't happen under any normal circumstance. Um, you know, we would never <laughs> say put 8S in it, dive it from 600 feet because there's no ceiling here in China at 140 miles an hour and pull back full elevator. But you do, right? People aren't going to do that out in the world, but we we have to. Because obviously if it fails that maneuver at 50 miles an hour on an EDF. then we're back to the drawing board so so it's it's always it always strikes me how at any given day we have we have prototypes that are in that phase and they're they're sitting right next to a model that's in the destructive phase so for example earlier this morning granted it's a sunday but we went out we flew a prototype it needed to be perfect thankfully it was no damage and then you put it down and you look to the other aircraft and five minutes later you're flying something where you're trying to find its absolute absolute limit and your mentality changes where i want to kill this i want to sort of push that limit um but i can say it never gets old when you're switching between the two so if you got to park a jet for a little bit so be it there's lots of other stuff to fly. yeah
0: i guess yeah <laughs> like you you're you know you, you're at the uh, other end of the hobby where it's like yeah it's uh, you know you, every day you're going and i and if I could fly every day, I would, uh, you know, it's, 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 oh, we'll have to talk about James. Uh, he mentions here, he says, yeah, I burned, I brushed it. <laughs> he brushed it off and went back up, but, oh, that one was hard to look at after all those hours of work and design and yeah. you know, but it happens And in. Oh CG. yeah, I, that I've, happened. I've had a few. Uh, I brought them back in. I've cartwheeled a few recently, and it's just like, oh, it felt like it was right, and you go up, and it's flyable. It's flyable, but it's, uh, geez, don't slow down. <laughs> uh, They don't slow down. uh, I've had a couple just, you know, and so I haven't gone back to those aircraft. Actually, I'm in the middle of prepping most of what I'm going to bring with me to Ohio uh, for Flight Fest later on, uh, you know, middle of early, early uh, July. So a lot of that gear's Mm got to get ready, but um, going simple, no EDFs because that place is, uh, the runway is just not suitable and the venue's not suitable.
1: Um, So things like what are you uh, What are you taking? Are you taking the Tundra? Taking the flight test Spitfire? Ah, uh, it's like probably
0: that? gonna be a few Spit. Uh, sorry, not Spitfire. The the FT racer, the Simple Scout, the Radiant. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I'm gonna take the Night Radiant. And I might try, depending on what I do. I might try and uh, um, bring up one of the big crazy creations I made recently. But we'll see about car space and everything. It's uh, right. it's it's
1: bring your pringles jet or no better yet bring your um what did you make a Lancaster? yeah jet. that big sucker your- we or we want cap.
0: to uh, yeah i might bring the the pink bomber uh, I love to bring that really big, crazy one that I built, but I haven't figured out how to engineer the wings, so it's in two-piece. So It's a 10-hour drive, so the bigger airplanes really take a beating in the car I found because uh, the small ones you can find little nooks and crannies on top of all the camping gear, right? But the big ones you've got to suspend or something. And uh, Eddie Black says he's got his little uh, 3S or 4S F-18 uh, tossing and tosser uh, aircraft uh you know belly lander thing um i'm not sure what the brand was yeah. but i flew that thing hey, i Eddie. flew that one in texas and enjoyed that one thoroughly it was just fun um i do have um <laughs> Ryan Bracket Black, uh, uh, Ryan Pap is threatening to uh, steal my FT racer. This goes back to like the very first or second uh, flight fest where I brought my FT, and uh, the racer was just glue at that point. It had been crashed hard so many times, um, but That's well, surface. there's something terribly enjoyable about an airplane that you don't care about. <laughs> Absolutely,
1: um, Ryan, I'm right. I'm right there yeah, with you. Yeah, <laughs> so
0: it's um. For, for a venue like Flight Fest, I think um, unless you've got something with big Tundra tires, that tarmac, unless you're flying off the main line, and I never fly off the main line, if I'm going for a flight because of what I'm doing down there, um, it's usually just a very quick go. So I look for airplanes that are simple, probably 3S based on the air traffic that we're flying in uh, just to minimize any kind of craziness. Um, jets would be cool um i do have the flight test uh a10 but uh, that thing runs so much better on props to run that thing on an edf that would be huge like, like i think it was like a 90 you know yeah. it's just it's it's a the the, the scale I think the night
1: radian i think the night radian will be more fun yeah. i mean overall you get that big airplane feel but it's it's easy you can operate it uh, oh yeah, but I, I have
0: a normal, yeah, and I, and I have the switching mechanism for the lights and everything so that's that's pretty easy to run with. Um, I would switch out the receiver if I do fly at Flight Fest with a Radian. I wouldn't use the uh, the, the Horizon uh, protocols. I just uh, We know too much in that. Mm-hmm. It's just too saturated. That radio is so popular down there that, that that frequency is saturated. So I would probably switch that over to FR Sky. I have my basic one. Uh, so the problem I have with the the, the big night radiant is putting the wings together and then taking the wings apart and removing the screws and connecting the LED LED lights Um, sometimes you just want to get up and fly so we'll see I still have a little bit of time to prep it and everything so if it works um, it might be kind of fun um, but it is a nice aircraft. It is pretty neat. Uh, I like all the schemes. I like being able to control the schemes in the air now. So you kind of, you know, you don't have to do a crazy Ivan. You can just toggle through your lights and go, okay, there I am. And sure. night flying with the radians <laughs> a little different too. Uh, but I'm looking forward to that this summer to see how many people fly something like that in the, um, in the night. Um, you guys don't have a you guys don't have a night flyer in your – or do you? You actually have – you've got, probably got one aircraft that's well lit in the...
1: Yeah, I think we used to have the Air Titan, yeah. Um, yeah. which was popular the, the the in a Radian platform. It feels like it makes a lot more sense because, again, you're not worrying about flying the aircraft. I mean, I still think the Radian Basic is yeah. one of the best foamies ever made. It just you don't need to think about no. it. Which allows you to enjoy it. And and as you were saying, having different light patterns, just being able to play with the aircraft without a modicum of stress, it's always an advantage. So, yeah, so, so, the Air Titan, it's sold well, but I think, I think in future, um, slower aircraft that offer that type of feature set are going to be, it's, it's a better match.
0: So, y- you say non stressful. Clearly, you've not flown in a pack of like 20 to 30 radians. <laughs>
1: No, <laughs> oh, I've, I've flown uh, with 15 other B-24s and B-7s. That's true. the ball yeah. the Warbird Squadron. That's, that's more difficult. Radiance, come no, on. It's... And if you hit anything, you're going so slow anyway. It's more funny than it, anything. It's when you look um. up. It's when you take your,
0: your eye off the pack and you look back up and you don't know which is yours anymore. <laughs> yeah, that is true. so. So then you call out your crazy Ivan and you turn. And you're like, oh, that's not my radiant. <laughs> that's happened. It's happened that's a right, lot. Right. Um, I find that I find the radiant flight r- really stressful, to be honest. <laughs> but it's it's pretty awesome.
1: Do you um, do you take out? You do like we do in Apollo, where you take out the recliner and you're 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 parallel to the ground, essentially looking straight up, or? Are you one of the, those guys? You're still standing, craning uh, your neck. I'll stand. I have had
0: a 45 minute flight before with the Radiant. Uh, this was a couple of years ago, and one of my buddies came out with a um, I want to say it was a multi a, a multiplex glider, and we had the last man up, and uh, yeah, we just sat on there, there. were some chairs, so we just sat back. But I I haven't done the recliner bit. Um, I find i I think I'm just too too nervous of a pilot sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just i i like to keep my eye on stuff my biggest single fear is is you know uh, not you know not keeping track of my aircraft and then like 2 years ago um i had a i had a whoops and i and i was flying someone else's radian and we suspect i had an elevator failure uh servo and it, and my radian went in and i it took me it took a little while for me to relax, but fly that thing again. Like it's just, it was just, you know, and, Uh, and so you come down and you're not relaxed. You're, you're quite tense. It's up there with flying a a silly EDF, you know, and you're like, okay, this, this was not fun. I didn't enjoy this, you know? And so I need to work on that. (laughs) But, um, it's interesting. I don't fly my radiant nearly as much as I used to, because I find that Time constraint-wise, I'm so busy that so if I know I've got you know an hour and a half at the flying field, right? A radiant flight can soak mm. up like three quarters of that in a heartbeat, and you're like, wow, I didn't fly anything else. I mean, I flew, but I didn't fly anything else, and it's it's kind of up there when I when I take the uh, uh, the the Phantom out, and it's just like, wow, it was super. It's an awesome 20 minute flight, but that could have been like four other flights with a with a with a different airplane. So.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, there. There's the balance. There is that balance. You don't want them all to be one minute and you don't want to fly anything for an but hour. Uh, I
0: high. still I still like the rating is good, but I still haven't found that certain perfect um night flyer. The um uh the the pawnee, I've got the old E flight pawnee. That that has to be one of my favorite uh li- best lit airplanes. Um I've flown the um Oh, what was that? The walrus, the night walrus from, from Hobby King. Um, and uh-huh. that uh-huh. one's a good plane, but it was lit poorly in the front. So you'd have this nicely rear-lit fuse, and then your your lead nose was dull. Like, there wasn't enough ambient light in the actual front canopy. Pardon me. And so that one was like, ah, uh- uh, you know. But the, the Pawnee is awesome. Um, but you've got to fly that one to fly it hard. I mean, it's really well lit. It slows down, it but you're still flying it. Like the Pawnee was like one of those airplanes that thought it was a, uh, it thinks it's a, you know, thinks it's a warbird kind of thing. So I still haven't quite found yeah. that perfect airplane. Um, like the Radiant's awesome, but again, you got to put the wings in. So, you know, you're at night, you're fumbling with some screws and stuff like this. You can't get it back in the car at the end of the flight without taking the wings off. And so, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's.
1: You know what? I want a dirigible. I think a, a, a night flying dirigible would be perfect for me, at least. Um, granted, it's getting cooler and so hot air would be difficult, but a, a helium dirigible, just something <laughs> where it can truly just sit there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's, and I like, so I've learned quickly too that um, flashing lights are okay, but almost a slow, and I think this is where the, the Radiance module, the light control module, excels because you can. Low down the pattern, so you know if it's really dark, flashing light kind of messes with your with your vision. Um, and then, then you can find a color that you like. I find for myself, um, blue. Uh, blue LEDs get a glow to them, and I don't like it. As whereas, like a red or or a green or or a white are super crisp, right? And so it's just everybody's going to have that different color frequency that works for them.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah, I think um, green worked for me. I mean, I think I remember reading somewhere that the human eye is most sensitive to green, at least in in the majority of people. Mm. So, but but you're right. Lights in and of themselves, certainly LEDs facing outwards, don't help. Once you lose the aircraft silhouette, <laughs> if we're talking about flying sort of waning darkness, um, you really need to be illuminating the fuselage. So LEDs that are pointing inwards illuminating the fuselage from the outside from the wings or like some other implementations like the Pawnee was a great one where it's illuminating the aircraft from the inside out yeah. that way you get more of an overall sense of the aircraft you can actually still see the aircraft you're not actually trying to see the lights um you're trying to see the aircraft <laughs> at least the way I at I try and orient it so um yeah well maybe um who knows maybe someone's working on something with the uh, with optimized LEDs for mm, night flying.
0: That sounds like a great idea for this time of year. It's uh it's always interesting like by the time you're done if you go to flight Fest, by the time you're done <laughs> You know the night flight, um, and uh, yeah, my eyeballs are done. They're they're cooked, and m- majority of my, my my fellow people I hang out with for flight fest say the same thing, and they're just like, yeah, I don't want to fly. And there are people out at all hours just going, you know, you know younger eyes, I guess. <laughs> but there's, I look at some <laughs> airplanes, and I've had beautiful airplanes lit up, like even my, um, oh, what did I take that one year? The, the fun cub and it was well lit up it was good and I still struggled for orientation I knew what was going on you know green on the right side and red on the left I think that's correct right um and, and I just and I still would have those moments and it's like I don't want to have those pucker factor moments I want things to be clear crisp and I so it's almost like I need even more lights and uh, I've had flights where two where you're sitting along and you're flying and everything's great and then you're like ooh I, this is not a daytime flight and I'm draining my power, you know, like you've got to, you got to, you got to bring back that, that time as soon as you run the lights, because you are taking up a bit of time, you know, and <laughs> with formation lights on from, yeah. from, uh, Timothy, uh, posted a message saying with formation lights on from Jeremy's night flight, there was no problems with the A-10. Um, how are the lights on the big, uh, on your big, a- the, the, the flight line A-10?
1: Well, we use, we use the same day brights. Hey Tim, we use the same day brights for, um, for all of our flight land and free wing mm-hmm. aircraft and they're bright. Um, they are still, <laughs> for me, so They are, they are still facing outward of the aircraft. So while, I mean, obviously you're still going to need the silhouette of the aircraft, I think to be able to confidently maneuver the aircraft. Now, Maybe Tim's got sharper eyes than I <laughs> and he can fly that thing in complete darkness. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> um, big. In which case, hats off to you, my friend. But um but I think in, in general, it again, we're sort of we're speaking around the fact that people are gonna fly when we say night, it's sort of like saying grass. It there are different definitions for that. So are we talking about an hour before the sun goes down, midnight, or or any of that range within? So there are gonna be different points at which Um, the aircraft loses just pure silhouette and you're looking purely at the LEDs on it would I fly like that? Probably not but a lot of people do fly our day bright equipped aircraft most of the 90s again our flight line aircraft they'll fly them as as the sun's going down and maybe 30-40 minutes after it has gone down where you still get that orange sky um, certainly in California you still sort of get to see a exactly there's enough ambient light in there you still see enough of the aircraft where you know that it's not a green and red led in the sky trying to play with another green and red led you actually see those are two a10s um and and i think those are some of the most it's that sweet spot of flying but unlike the flying day you only have enough time for a few flights you know before it gets either it's still too bright where you don't really see the leds or it's it's too dark. We're now, frankly, it's getting unsafe. Um, which is why I think, to your point earlier, it's important to find that aircraft, that that aircraft, that time, that flying style, but also to meet together and that light content where it just it looks it looks cool. There's just something about doing that.
0: I uh, I know back in early days, like we're talking 2014, when I got back into the hobby and I was scratch building twins, you know, twin cargo planes. I went to the dollar store and I picked up those. Those little uh, LED, uh, um, they're like, you know, running off little tiny batteries, but just little, they're called finger lights, you know, and the kids stick them on there. And I hot glued them all over the airplane. So I had one shining off the, you know, the vertical stab and stuff. And that was, that was awesome. Uh, And we'd go out, you know, at dusk or twilight, you know, and, and fly those for a bit. But I had enough lights all over this airplane that I could actually very clearly see what it was doing. And it was just this giant white foam white foam airplane. So it was super easy to see. Um, but again, like I said, the biggest one still my, my absolute favorite still has to be that Pawnee, but finding something that even, uh, you know, has a bit of a, a little bit of a flight stabilizer in it. So, you know, you do get in trouble, it can self-correct. So, you know, okay, I'm going level. <laughs> You know, and then you can bring it in. But uh, so it's yeah, you're right. It's finding that just that little. It's got to be super slow, super efficient, stable, self-correcting, and you just can relax and enjoy it. So there's it's got to it's got to come. Something's got to be coming our way. uh, That doesn't require you to take off wings and so forth. But and color, you know, and those controls and those LED lights, you know, so you can have that fun. Um, We were watching a couple couple summers ago at Flight Fest, and one guy was flying his wings, and the boys had these. Um, um, th- they were just like little uh, slingshot things But they had lights on them as well And they were trying to shoot the wing And the guy with the wing could actually turn off the lights on the wing And still knew where it was going So again, supreme night vision, I'd say But it was just, you know, all of a sudden The lights would turn off on the wing And you're like, uh, no! <laughs> and then turn back on He knew where it was going I don't think he maneuvered He'd just turn them off and go straight And then he'd pick it up again, but still
1: I bet he was a pylon flyer. When I used to fly pylon, I, I I can't see them now. But in the good old days, you could fly pylon racers, and, and the saying went that you flew where you knew it was, not where you saw it, because the aircrafts they're going so yeah. fast. You know, you need to. You're you're frankly looking where it's going to be by the time you wonder where it is. If you're looking at where it is, it's too late. So, I'd wager that guy's got super science skills. He's able to fly a wing turn the LEDs off, turn it back on and not be in the dirt. Again, hats off to him. <laughs> nice. All
0: right. So, uh do we want to jump into some uh industry news? Uh I don't remember the last time we had you on the show, so I think uh, it's it has while. been a while. Um and, you yeah. know, yeah, just uh I think well, what what have we had since then? You've obviously had your your um the the little At the Raptor the little right ra- yeah the Raptor, uh the F eighteen and then you had your
1: your um the F thirty five the yeah. uh, the Dora the P fifty one yeah we had about six birds I think in the past seven months since not bad boat. not bad at all and all quite t- a bit so that's that's for the foam electric side and then yes. I, at Noll at Joe Null last month obviously we, we announced balsa and brought about fifteen uh fifteen new aircraft to the lineup um. So Balsa has been pretty, pretty exciting as well. And then we we leveled up on helicopters and introduced a 600 uh, R Plus line of of scale helicopters that include servos and the motor and the ESCs basically in the box, um, sort of ready to go for guys on the scale side for helicopters. So it's been a good uh, it's been a good year for us so far. We've had a lot of fun. And
0: uh, so are the balsas? Have they landed in um, have they landed yeah. in North America?
1: Yeah, we did sort of a fun thing with with the balsa and and the Dora and the camo version of the l thirty nine. sort of fifty percent of our releases looking back. Um we are known for a bit of premiere release sort of pre-orders. The Hornet was a pre-order. The Raptor was a pre-order. But um, sprinkled among those, we, we always have products that we wait until they're in the warehouse. And the balsa was one of them. We were able to say, um, when we went live at Joe Nall, James was able to say, and by the way, you know, go to the website today and they'll ship it to you today and you'll receive it in a couple of days. So we've been shipping those for a little over a month now, uh, really well received. I think we knew that going in Black Horse has been around for 20 plus years. Um, they've done the black horse brand for themselves. They've obviously OEM for, for other partners and it was a logical fit. So by the time we were able to bring them, I think a lot of our current customer base knew about them, but what we saw was more than half of the purchasers were new customers to motion people who knew about us, but thought we were just foam electric, um, and we're always looking for a source in North America for Black Horse, but um, but heretofore they haven't been available. And when we were able to say, you know, we're very proud, very grateful that Black Horse had selected us uh, as their exclusive uh, North American distributor, it just sort of made sense. Motion RCs, it's really the customer service people trust from us and, and the quality and sort of reputation that they know from Black Horse having been... In the business for a couple of decades, um, so so it's exciting to have sort of new add new customers to the customer family on our side of the pond, and so... it's been pretty fun. James is having a lot of fun. If he's still listening in. Um, he was able to fly one one of the big Fairchilds there at Jonal that was outfitted with electric. We've got people talking on, on squawk about electric and um, and gas configurations of. Different aircraft. We've asked people to let us know what else you want us to carry on Black Horse, and we've got some other shipments coming in. So, nice, pretty exciting.
0: Which one, if if you yeah. had to pick one to crack open for yourself and you know spend a winter building, which one do you think you'd uh, you'd look at?
1: I gosh, so that's a good question. We've got we weren't able to bring every single one Black Horse has has produced. Um, so our first container. Was basically comprised of the ones that we thought would sell the best, and 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 ones that our sort of core um, uh, core group had 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 exhibited interest in. We also have another batch coming in that are sort that expands that line. And to answer your question, there are models in both sort of shipments that I prefer personally. I think the um, for for me the the Hinkle. Probably say the Hinkle One Eleven for twins is pretty great. For singles, I'm a big fan of the. Um, I'm actually a really big fan of the PC. The PC Nine. Uh, it's a. <clears throat> I, I like Pilatus Aircraft, So the PC Twenty One and there's the, the PC Nine is a slightly earlier version, and um, big twin canopy turbojet, a turboprop trainer. Just, it sort of ticks all the boxes for me. Yeah. And it's a great flyer. In the Black Horse configuration, they've got it. It's set up as Retrax. Um, Retrax, tricycle, sort of like a T28, but with with a, with a sharp nose instead of a big radial. That's sort of how it flies. It has a great wing, great color. So for me, if I had to pick one from the first pass, it would probably be the PC9. Cool. Um, that looks nice. And then <clears throat> outside of that, probably the Lysander. Lysander, uh, the aircraft, it's a big hey, I, don't, I don't know if you can see it yep, there, uh, Hyundai, I've got it. but the Lysander, yeah, so 100 inch wingspan. That aircraft is so, yeah, it's a big bird, 100 inch, 100 inch wingspan. I flew it on an OS uh, 33 <laughs> and an NGH 35. So, the OS 33, obviously, I'm a big fan of OS, they sound so great. The NGH 35 as well flew it really well. Um, but what stands about about that aircraft is the weight looking at that wingman as an aerodynamic guy, I look at that wing and wonder, how can that fly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Super sharp tips, just shapes where there usually aren't. Um, so aerodynamically, the aircraft speaks to me, and historically it's got a great story as far as how it served um, throughout its service lifetime. And uh, there's one in the Smithsonian. It doesn't look like anything else people brought out. And again, ultimately, it's about how it flies that aircraft flies like a p-51 i posted in squawks and i know it's a high wing i know it looks like a strange cub but um it's acrobatic
0: wasn't that <laughs> a acrobatic. was that
1: a reconnaissance reconnaissance aircraft for its time it, it did a little bit of everything actually it, it did recon it did um it did special forces insertion what what we now sort of equate a special force okay yeah um So there are quite a few missions that the aircraft flew, just overall dependable, not necessarily very well known. What I really love about Mr. Sun and Black Horse, just in general, is they really, they, their engineering team really try to look for aircraft that have stories um, that I, I think all aircraft have stories, but aircraft with stories that haven't really been done yet. So they've got aircraft like the Jungman, which no one's ever done. Um, the Lysander, which no one had ever done, so it sort of fits with our flight line mentality of say, trying yeah. to do aircraft. Yep. Sounds familiar. yeah, you know exactly. Sounds
0: what very flying. familiar. So yes,
1: fast. Yeah. check the boxes with the Corsair and the Mustang, but try and do something that people have never seen before in that particular format. So, <clears throat> so, um, so yeah, and obviously we've, in addition to announcing Black Horse, we announced ProFly, ProFly's Motion RC's OEM brand of also aircraft um and the rov10 bronco in a 1.8 meter wingspan is our first uh, it is a black horse aircraft it's it's brought in under our new oem brand with a few of our sort of special tweaks and that's really a that's really going to be the first of many james has talked about this we've talked Stewart has talked about this a lot in our in our media from europe uh, and down into the states here as far as that bronco if you really sit and think about it what does that signify it really signifies motion actually moving into the balsa space and recognizing that most of the guys here at motion we all fly balsa we've flown balsa for and martin's flown balsa for 45 years 46 years i want to say um and a lot of us have we balsa sort of in our in our bones as it were and um and it's about time that we speak to reach across the aisle and reach to and, and reach into people and reach into markets that um, we haven't been in before. So ProFly is probably the brand I'm most excited about because it's going to allow us to innovate and bring a lot of what, what motion RC's development team has done with foam. We can now leverage that in Balsa with a variety of partners and um, yeah, it should be, should be pretty fun. We've asked customers on squat to sort of let us know what they want to see and they've begun to, uh, to let us know. And we, we hope pe- people feel that it's a brand of the people. That's easy as that, <laughs> but it's true. Brand of the people. I just, I it just came out of my mouth, but it's absolutely true. We have, I think by now we've shown, I mean, I'm speaking for everyone, all my fellow Americans and, and friendly Canadians listening. You know, I'm sitting in China within between a three minute and 60 minute drive of, Ninety percent of this mm-hmm. hobby, you know, I think by now um, our core customers have have learned, have accepted, and I think come to appreciate the fact that we're here. You know, we speak the language. We work with 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 these people that we consider our friends directly, and that's allowed us to to move. We talked at the top of the podcast about how quickly things have gone from the F five to the Hawk, or, or say the L thirty nine, our most recent eighty the f5 was our third 85 years ago how quickly that has happened um imagine that motion touch in other aspects of the hobby that's really what we're trying to aspire to and um and it's really driven by by customers saying that's what they want to see from us so we hope we don't do them any wrong.
0: so i'm gonna ask the question if something like the bronco is a smashing success in a, as a um as a balsa, how hard how hard <laughs> is it to make a foamy out of this? Then,
1: that's a great question. Um, for listeners who are who have access to Model Aviation Magazine, I'd encourage y'all to to check out the article that I wrote in this month's issue, entitled "How a Foam Aircraft is Made." Uh, that takes you through basically ten generalized steps of of our process, from thinking about an airplane to prototyping it making molds, uh, producing it, then shipping it to you. Um, you'll see in that process that it's very different from, say, balsa. Um, so so the short answer, Andre, is I'm not going to make an OB-10 tomorrow in foam. <laughs> so that's what everyone continues to ask me. Um, but – uh, but I can say that while different, there are some similarities in as far as how uh, models are conceptualized. And so that might help us if it turns out that a model in BALSA turns out to be very popular and we want to make a phone version of it. So,
0: Just two seconds. I left the voicemail up on the uh, on the phone. <laughs> there we go. All right, we're back. Oh. Uh, nice nice thing with the way I've engineered this podcast is I can go in with the audio recording and I can just clip that out. Unfortunately, the live folks will have caught that, but no big deal. Um yeah, no, so you're saying very different engineering. So, uh obviously cuz one is are there any similarities do uh do when you look at two different aircraft cuz obviously y- you've said you you're sourcing um Black Horse for as your as your provider, um, so does this mm. mean you as a collaborator, like what you do with with Flightline? Are you working with their their team of engineers? But is there going to be any for you? I see that the the link and and overall quality and flyability and everything, and then the build experience. But is mm. yeah, you're going through two different shops, and so you know I could see yeah. are. It's
1: different. Yeah, you, you put on a different hat in the same way that when I walk into Robon and we're talking about a fiberglass helicopter, 800 sized, 25 pound helicopter made out of fiberglass and carbon fiber. Um, that's a completely different playing field than when you're talking to free wing, uh, which, to be fair, is completely different when you walk into the battery factory and you say, we want to spec a different battery. We want to move into carbon. We want to, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, when you walk into a balsa factory, which is not just a different language because it's in a different country, but, but a, but a different mentality, an entirely different design approach, different software, all of those things are different. You really take one hat off and you put on another. That's part of the fun of, sort of, my job is I get to wear those different hats, and um, and and try to empower people to to make tactical decisions that that'll improve their product that ultimately improves my customer's experience. Um, so it's, it's very much, if that makes sense, it's very much, a everyone's different, but we're all sort of the same type, (laughs) uh, mentality. And when you talk about specific aircraft, like that Bronco, um, if we were to ever do a foam electric Bronco, it, I, knowing what I do, I don't know if you can throw that picture up, Andre, now of, of, the, of the bones of the Balsa. I've, I've actually Bravo. been showing the website um, as well. Huh. Right. So, so if people started looking at that, when you look at that Balsa aircraft, um, if I were to make a foamy of it, I would start completely from scratch. There's, there's actually almost nothing, not even the airfoil would transfer because the aircraft are different sizes, um, different wing loading. You know, just which is okay. That doesn't mean that one would come any any less sooner. But um I think it just underscores that there are differences in these products. And I think there's beauty in the intricacies of those differences. That's why some people love balsam. That's why some people love foam. That's why people
0: love a little bit about do you (laughs) it's funny would you run into a um proprietary you know commercial issue if you did something like that too where you've got one supplier supplying you a version of this aircraft and you know uh, in balsa and then you swap over to your other one do they you know or is it just because it's such a different product
1: yeah i i think um and, and Tom, uh, one of the co-owners at MotionRC, we, we, he and I have spoken t- to this point a bit over the years in that, um, I mean, our mentalities were very much equal opportunity. I mean, look, the hobby is too small and life is certainly too short for people to be, to be up in arms at each other's throats over, over things. And we're not curing cancer. So, um, so I, what I mean in all that is we try and, and perpetuate the, the attitude amongst all of our factory partners in any uh, category, whether it be gyros, batteries, fixed-wing aircraft, foam, fixed-wing aircraft, balsa, fixed-wing aircraft, electric, fixed-wing aircraft, uh, you know, gas engine, there are so many overlapping um, uh, categories here. Our mentality is: look, we're all we're all on the same boat. We're all moving forward uh, with the same goal, which is to perpetuate this hobby and to do so safely, and to hopefully, in so doing, find new people who will love what we love. Um, there's really no room for, Oh, they made a, they made a Bronco in Balsas. So if you make a foam Bronco, we're going to be unhappy with you. <laughs> you know, we're, 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 we're gladly way past Good. that. I like to use the metaphor of, of air traffic control. You know, I spent a lot, many years in LA and at LAX there's, there's one tower, there's a few runways, but for the point of the metaphor, Many aircraft can land on the same runway, uh, a minute apart, sometimes less. And everyone's yeah. safe. Everyone's yeah. happy. Everyone gets to where they need to go. Um, competing br- airplanes, competing airlines, competing just everything. It's okay. Um, if air traffic control officiates their duty well, then everyone lands safely. We try to take that position that we're trying to help all these products to get their time in the Sun get a good video from our marketing team to, to get a good uh, place on hobby squat to get to the place where people can see them give us feedback get into that process of being of, of evolving and becoming better and everyone wins in that sense you know I, I don't subscribe to the notion that that um, only one factory or company needs to um, compete and of course look at the fact that there were billions of gajillions of cubs and mustangs and that hasn't dampened the sales of those aircraft no, no, no. pick <laughs> your whole, flavor pick your size pick your battery because, and go yeah exactly, exactly. just go fly <laughs> exactly there's enough exactly just, just, yeah. fly. just fly so talking
0: about some of the new ones uh i'm kind of curious to see how the uh mustang versus dora uh do you, do you have any sales figures or any idea
1: how how the the uh the
0: German warbird was was accepted.
1: Yeah, I, I can say that um, both of them have been great hits for us for completely different reasons. Nice. Figure. Um, Mustang was was a hit because it's a Mustang. <laughs> Personally, everyone knows it's not my favorite <laughs> aircraft to depict. It's one of my favorite aircraft to read about, to see in real life, to 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 know that I know about it, to know people who've flown it, like. Like Colonel Anderson, I mean, just they, they know I love the aircraft, but making it in foam, you know, not something I love. However, it, it, it proves me wrong because it continues to be a great seller because it's a small stabilized Mustang that people can have in, their, in, their, <clears throat> in the trunks of their cars and be able to fly at any time. Now, that's fine. I'm not here to dictate <laughs> uh, why people uh, should enjoy products. So I'm, I'm just glad and grateful that they do. Now the Dora was completely different. The Dora was has been successful thus far, and it's only been three weeks, but the numbers are looking good. Basically, for the opposite reason, because it hasn't been done before, um, because it's something that's somewhat recognizable, sort of looks like a 190, and yet isn't. You know, all of the reasons that that are that are the inverse of sort of. The, the the root of the Mustang's popularity is why people have bought the Dora. So it looks like a lot of people have bought both, which is fun. That's sort of that was our hope is that people would use them as adversaries, um, or at least to fly friendly heritage flights. <laughs> <laughs> there <laughs> but, you, uh, go. there but, you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. No contention. Just uh, just uh, just good old heritage flights. So those have been fun, and I think what's what's helped us in to teach us about what people are wanting is value for price, simplicity. And like you were talking about earlier, not everything's got to be a big fast jet that requires 20 minutes of prep and assembly and pucker factor and all that. Sometimes you just want to fly something simple. I, yeah. mean, I would yeah. land a turbine after a long day and long afternoon and pull out a Radian. I mean, that's just... I yeah. wonder how many people no. out there are like me, but after you fly the big fast stuff,
0: you need the wrong. Yeah. With, well, this is yeah, it. This gotta, is it. Uh, gotta I uh, come down. <laughs> I, uh, I, I admit I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious about this class and size. Uh, it checks off a lot. Like you said, it checks off a lot of ticks on the box. um, and, uh, it's, yeah, I'm going to have to decide what I'm going to end up going with. Uh, Bill Decker asks actually a really good question. World War One planes. I'm, uh, I'm Hello. all about that too. Um, it's funny. I've got some. Bill Decker. Planes. I want to
1: do a nine Decker. A
0: nine Decker. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. I'm still hoping, and then uh, Michael Rosnick uh, writes, I'm still hoping for some of the smaller EDF scales, would like to see a bigger version. Oh, he wants to see you guys scale up a couple of them, like the 105.
1: Uh, yeah, that yeah would we've be... got some requests to scale up some of, the, of those aircraft. Yeah, I'll speak, I mean, to build, so World War One aircraft and even pre-war for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get to sort of the the constraints I don't like to think in terms of constraints but sometimes they're there the constraints inherent in foam in sizes that are that are mass marketable um so when I'm talking about if if it's a biplane it's probably got to be under 1.4 millimeters 1.4 meters probably under a couple hundred bucks and we've seen that in the dynam dynamics what I think is a great albatross yeah um but 4s, and it, so that's it a... looks great. Yeah, sort of 3s, 4s. It's 1.37 or 1.27 meters. So it's sort of in the sweet spot for, for the configuration, for the price point, for the overall look. The challenge with World War One aircraft is you're so narrowly stroked. I mean, every time you land that that Albi, yeah. it rolls on its nose. Yeah. Um, so aerodynamically, they're just they're difficult to do well because you can't cheat that landing gear. There's no way to avoid. That landing gear. I I once I didn't own it, but had a, had a friend who allowed me to fly his one quarter scale uh, camel. Beautiful aircraft, a lot of history, so it checks all my boxes. He was an expert pilot, and I wasn't so bad either. We could not Get that operate way. that aircraft. Yeah. It couldn't take off confidently, and it was a one quarter scale. Yeah, big aircraft, um, but just difficult to operate. So so unfortunately, I'm not ruling out us any. I'm not ruling out uh, at all um, the possibility of us ever approaching World War One or pre-World War One aircraft, either something like an Eindecker, which would probably be easier to implement, um, or biplanes or even triplanes. I'm just saying that for now, it's 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 difficult. Um, yeah. It would need to be bigger to fly better, and when you get into the big stuff, again, unfortunately, mass market things um, the sales drop off precipitously it's why I think balsa for World War one has remained so popular
0: interesting it's
1: because interesting. if you think about it again if for listeners read that article you'll see I mean I put some real numbers in there we're talking six figure investments mm-hmm. to make that, that foam model in your trunk that's just to make the things to make the airplane that that's not actual labor or materials or shipping or insurance. That's, you know, just to be able to make, just to make the tooling. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a significant investment. And, um, it's, it's, it's a part of the hobby that I continue to chafe at that as many people say, we don't want another Mustang or a T28 or a cub. Those sell. Those are, those, those sell. And, and, and as a business, you know, I sort of have to be responsible. We need to be, we need to be responsible that for every for every P15 and Dora we threw out there because we believe in in, in perpetuating aviation history and its diversity. We also got to keep the lights on. So, um, so back to you know I I would pitch uh, to Bill I would pitch Maxford if you haven't already checked them Monzano I mean there are other, there are there are there are many there there remain several outlets for uh, for World War One and pre World War One aircraft. Uh, that are that are high quality balsa that are that are small enough, and I've owned enough of them to know that it's tough to fly <laughs> a, 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 a Fokker triplane in in, in 1.6 meters. But there are there are ways where people can get at aircraft in that in that era, um, and just because it's balsa, they're not necessarily crazy. There's no retracts. There's no flaps on them. Yeah. So other than, uh, other than, you know, wiring and whatnot, they're actually fairly accessible. Um, that would be my, my, my tip.
0: Very interesting comment from Victor. He says, I love Balsa. We started with it and I finished with it. Yeah. Um, It's funny because yeah, a lot of generations are, are a lot of uh, pilots who've been flying for a good long time are, are or, oh, yeah. and it, I, I've, I've had my balsa airplane. Uh, I just don't find a spot right now in this current time where yeah. I could enjoy a balsa plane responsibly. I think I'd want a little bit more space. So an actual proper field. And so who yeah, knows in the fair. future, uh, you know, and then I'll be able to have yeah. that, you know, access to the bigger, bigger's class.
1: Um, <clears throat> I'm curious, is that Victor Shamilis? Or yes. So.
0: Yes. It's Victor Shamulus? Yes, it is. Hey, Vic. Hey Victor. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, and you know, and it, it's funny because uh, as the foam technology is approved, so is the balsa that laser cutting and the, and the precision that you now Absolutely. can get, it's a whole other yeah. game. So yeah, it'll, it'll yeah. be interesting. I can't
1: send them to you now, but I'd say go to hobby squawk. We do have a couple of photos in our balsa announcement thread. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I can send it to them to you live, but for listeners curious, you know, we do we have posted a few pictures showing a bit of the process of what goes on in a modern Balsa factory at Black Horse. And it's it's eye-opening. Laser alone mm. was yeah. Granted it didn't happen yesterday. It's been around for a little bit, but but the the modernization of of laser cutting and sort of the proliferation of that tech with other aspects of construction to keep for example jigging central jigging to keep the aircraft and and each of its uh, bulkheads straight while you're ribbing it those types of things are maybe obvious to someone who's built an airplane from a box of sticks but when you consider doing that with a workforce um, and training them to do it again and again and it's got to be repeatable to the point that that spare wing can fit that fuselage, you know, that fuselage that was built last year. If I crash it one day and now I gotta I'm buying a new fuselage, it needs to be able to fit the product that was produced last month. That type of repeatability, that's that's where I really again take my hats off to Black Horse as far as retaining their workforce for the years that it takes to train them as not just assembly men, but as craftsmen. They have people there who've worked there for 12, 15 years, um, <clears throat> who know how to use, uh, gauges, who know how to use incidence meters, who, who, you know, I've been there looking at how they're curing their balsa to get it to the perfect, perfect moisture content. Those types of innovations have just compounded and finally you know, reached customers consistently. Um, which, I, which I think it's amazing. It's an amazing time for the hobby. It has been for the past few years
0: crazy uh yeah i it's um it's going to be interesting I, I have friends who who love their balsa kits and and push and i just sit there and go look i can barely get myself around to laminating a wing these days <laughs> i did it though i did where is that thing? <laughs> hey i gotta so hold on you won't be able to see this alpha but uh for the viewers and everything i i have been working on and i've had a um, Defiant Wings D28, so it's a 28-inch FPV wing. I've had this thing. I've got several other wings, and I suffered from a really nasty case of laminate phobia. Uh, and I just, uh, I was, I was having a really rough week, and uh, I took a day off. And I, and this is what I did. Um, and I just got there, and I finished it off. I laminated. It's going to have a monocoat. A lot of people. Um, paint the wings and then put the uh the coat over top of it the the laminate uh i'm gonna do a red and uh black schemed uh monocoat so it was a uh, it's been a new experience and i'm i'm, I'm gonna try and get this <laughs> thing ready for for flight fest it's impressive when once you put the laminate on so it's you know it's a it's a decent wing i've got the spars cut into it i've used uh um uh, a glue to get the spars glued in and everything and it's all cut to my specs and Uh, It's going to be a 4S plane, just a simple uh, 2,400 kV, 2,300 kV. Two-year – Ryan Papp is after me. I have my – and, again, I have a Juggernaut from Sweet Wings. I've got a Flinch. I've got this one. Take it, Ryan. Uh, And then I've got a uh, TBRC Apex 2. It's – it's just me it's just that's how my life rolls I get interested in stuff and then I stop but hey look I'm halfway there uh, I guess that's that's the problem with this hobby there's so many things going on so many people want to know you know well, you what we' gotta fly well, everything it's so maybe a balsa is gonna happen one day but it, that's a huge cost it's like the 3d printed plane I got sitting over here it's like geez I'm I could just spend my entire work day doing this and not you know but then I don't have any money to, to you know pay the bills <laughs> But it's
1: there's yeah. so many. I love that you mentioned that though. I mean, the hobby is so much more diverse oh, it's, than I think. It's
0: and then we we think. Oh, it's just everything. I you know I, I want to do other stuff, and you know there's there's other factors in life that I need to t- deal with, and and you know and then you know I want to enjoy everything. There's just not enough time.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think that for me that's where, um, that's where the diversity really kicks in. I have from an archie tank sitting next to me to a balsa wing that's in my other room where when you have time, you come back to them. Yeah. You know, there's nothing to say that you need to start and finish something in one sitting. I love being able to sort of know that when I get back there, when I have time, when that part arrives, when that thing happens, whatever, I'm then able to revisit that project, take it out, sort of work on it. Um, So much of the hobby, at least on our, on the foam electric side predominantly, we've seen over the past few years, just the consumption, the the flying, really takes up the majority of people's ownership of an aircraft, which is fine, because the hobby is about flying stuff. But there's also an element of building. Yeah. Before, we have talked about this in podcasts before, right? It's been 95% of the life of that aircraft was putting it together. And five percent was me putting it in the dirt ten minutes after made it. You know, but but, but that's okay because <laughs> it's the story. It was that that proverbial journey. I mean, I think there's something to be said about dope, not not the bad dope, but you know, the good dope. And Japanese tissue paper or whatever your fancy may be in the hobby as far as three D printing, like you mentioned, or taping together a wing or cardboard airplane, just whatever yeah. it is. Um, I I love to think that we are all basically innovating in and of our own selves how we enjoy this hobby. Um, as long as we're sharing it with people outside of ourselves, boom. I think the hobby's okay. Um,
0: uh, it's yeah. <laughs> I I rolled through just do it ourselves. On the, yeah, it us. gets very lonely. Um, yeah, I over the winter when I was cutting together those big crazy foam board things, and that was. Yeah, that was some, you know, that was nice in the sense that there was no plan. There was no design. There was just me in my head writing down some notes and going, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. And then I've transitioned through a couple different hobbies so far, and I just, you know, the flying one is the one that's had the staying power. Now, we had a really gnarly winter, and the weather so far, this spring, like, I mean, today, sorry, yesterday was probably the first day where we really... Had a nice summer day. So I've gone and, you know, I supplemented my hobby uh, in the video behind me. There is a giant low-sea Super Baja Ray. And I bought that because I had, uh-huh. I got these 6S batteries that I, that have just been sitting there, right? Because, you know, the weather's been bad or because of other factors. I get up in the morning and I'm just not flyable um you know unfortunately that's 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 life and that's what we're dealing with right now so i'm like you know what i'm gonna buy something that those batteries are gonna fit into and i crammed a zippy compact 6s 6200 into that truck you know And i'm like okay yeah <laughs> i uh I, I you know what i'll tell a story right now and you're gonna laugh you're gonna love this um I'll ask because Adam Drain isn't here. Where's the B-17? Oh, dear. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. The Super Baja Ray. Uh, I was outside when I first got this thing, and it took me all the five minutes to scuff the top deck. So it was cold, and I um, um, this is a product. And I have a couple other trucks, but this is the first time I've had a truck where I'm like, I need a throttle. This thing should have a throttle cut off. Anyhow, I'm taking a photo, and I bumped the trigger on the remote, and I shot the car under my father-in-law's Toyota. Like, it was jammed, Alpha. Jammed. (laughs) So... What did he say? Oh, he didn't did know. He, he didn't know. It part. was it was 11 o'clock at night, right? It was 11 o'clock at night, but it went in there. Well, oh, then it didn't happen. Though. Oh, it did. Like he, oh, he doesn't yeah. know. Anyhow, it was so jammed. I'm like, oh, wow. And, you know, I can, I'm like, uh, I managed to get to the off button, turn it off, went inside, got the car remote, shut the, shut off his car or his alarm, right? Because I had to open the car up and everything and make sure I didn't want to set the alarm off while I was moving it. Went into the garage and got my, my, my floor jack because it was stuck so bad. Like it was drilled underneath. It was lodged. The only thing I didn't do is yeah. I didn't take a photo because it would have been the best photo in the world. Because man, that thing was in there, and I was like, "Okay, this is this is a whole other scale. Like it's one sixth. <laughs> you know, the other trucks are all one ten, so this thing like dwarfs everything, um, or opposite. Oh, they're big. It's huge. Uh, and it just made me yeah. giggle. It was one of those instant purchases where you go, "I regret this, but it's done." <laughs> Uh, so we'll yeah. get out there we're gonna enjoy that but again uh part of the hobby it's it might not be flying but it flies that's why i said it doesn't have wings but boy does it fly um but again you know on those days when when it's not good enough to fly I've got all these big beautiful batteries so figured why not um and not? And, that, and that's part of the hobby like i said you've got your tank you know and that's just you know uh, um
1: that thing's fine yeah
0: <laughs> floor jack. so
1: i always i'm almost curious about how um Getting into the psyche of of the RC modeler, I, I'd 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 put forward the question: Is there a commonality between all of us in different languages and countries all over the world? Motion RC is shipped to eighty countries by now, and that, and it, it amazes me: Is there a common thread that links all of us, uh, where we just need to see something moving, that we know we're controlling without touching it? You know, whether it's a car, or an airplane, or mm-hmm. a boat. Or or just there's something about knowing that that thing's moving around and I'm doing it. And I just love that feeling. And <laughs> and, and, and so it's
0: it's funny because um, I pity I, I I pity our spouses or or our significant others because. You just don't have one of, you know, like there's there's a there's a different yeah. plane for every type. There's a different style. You got to have, you know, that one, that one, that one, you know, Spitfire, Mustang, right. da, 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 da so forth, yeah. so forth. It just there's that that internal passion. And, you know, no two things are same. It's the same thing for the ground vehicles because there's no two different circumstances. You got to have this one. You got to have that one says so for the yeah. boats, the, yeah. the you know the market's awesome, and uh, you know geez. you gotta try everything. Yeah. But well, you
1: mentioned Michael Rosnick was on the Facebook. I can't see anything, but if you're there, Michael, hi. Michael's, um, he's the guy Andre. I sent you those photos of those helicopters. Aha. Uh-huh. He went out to Texas last month, and and those are those are Michael. So Michael Rosnick is one of our Hilo Council uh, volunteers who helps with a lot of our of our helicopter development on the inside. But speaking of diversity, you know from he works on real helicopters and he flies model helicopters, and he's a great EDF pilot as well. And just is able to touch this hobby in different ways. And you've got your, you've got your, uh you got your one six. I've got my tank. It just makes me wonder. I, I, I'm convinced there's, there's something about us where we're all the same. Um, and even if I'm wrong in that, I like thinking that I'm right because it feels like in this crazy, crazy time, it's nice to know that. There are other people like you now. Of course, all of our spouses would beg like to differ and would hope that we'd uh, we'd die. We would leave the earth, but um, but uh, it is sort of neat thinking how how this hobby unites a lot of people in a lot of different ways.
0: Actually, I am trying to pull up those helicopters as you speak about them because they're awesome. And there's a there. had sent me a couple photos, and we'll. Um... There's a really nicely painted uh, F-35. Okay, here we go. So, uh, gray helo.
1: John Bergsmith.
0: Yeah. So, we'll yeah. do the helicopters. So, it's the gray, uh, is that the Bell he- uh,
1: Huey? Yeah, that's a UH-1N, yeah, maybe naval, naval version of the Huey. And then we've got the flight twin engine, line
0: with the, with the twin engine, the little black Special Ops, uh, another Huey, and then there's an orange uh, Dolphin, I would assume.
1: I'm trying to think through those pictures. Yes. Michael, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that, that, that should be, yes, that's the Delphine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Up front, up front, he's got the, uh, he's got the green Huey. He's got that black little bird, the AH six, mm-hmm. which is a attack version of the MD 500. Uh, then he's got the twin UH one UH one. n so, different sizes and and what he does is he takes these robon helos the dolphin is not a robot um he can chime in as far as which that one is but he'll go in scale them out sort of do the same thing that a modeler with an f4 would do sort of scale it out put a livery on it that resonates with him or her uh in some meaningful way and you know i i i have i hope that people out there watching these aircraft fly i think I think I want to do that. Now to your funny story about about uh, planting your car under your father-in-law's car. That something like the Delphine, obviously, that'll that'll cut your leg off. What? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You know, but but it's it still captures the imagination, right? Um, there's a there's a YouTube channel. I think it's RC Scale Media, something like that. But um, these guys post these these videos of these crazy aircraft from a rutan pond racer to a to a massive scale mi-24 hind i'm a big fan of that helicopter Mm. just people who are building these are all probably one-offs and um and anyway it's just i I love how big and dangerous they are (laughs) (laughs) there's an element of fucker factor and and uh and hurting yourself that i think it's just so great.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the turbines and stuff like that are just just. Yeah. I um I, I've only flown that little to we talked about that i've only flown the little little e-flight thingy um and eventually i i want to try something bigger but Boy, I I've, I've had quads and tricopters do funny things to me and it's, so I couldn't imagine the uh the, yeah, I don't know. I think that's I, I, from my point of view, I think this is even on another echelon of craziness as far as stress and, and flying yeah. and, and so who knows? Who knows? In that case we just watch. Well, I, you know, that's stand back your, and watch you, know? watch, you know. I I just I go yeah. and I'm like, you know, you watch some of the maneuvers. Uh, I think the one one uh, you know, the, we've had the other guys uh, uh talking about their helicopters and they want to get mike and chris behind the sticks of uh i think a 700 scale size because they say like the smaller stuff is okay but to, to appreciate how nice they do actually fly you you want to go to the, the bigger scale and i'm like whoa <laughs> there's a bigger scale <laughs> well obviously there are yeah. looking at these photos
1: uh oh yeah yeah and they and they they do fly better for I me. Mean, yeah. Bigger it's... flies bladder especially when in the context of helicopters, because you're talking about a disc. Your authority is derived from that disc. So the bigger the disc, the bigger the authority in general. Um just bigger pucker bigger pucker factor, I get it. But um <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> one day Michael Rosick will take you out on the sticks. I think you'd love it. Yeah. Um I, I
0: just would. threw up a picture of an Admiral Motor. I want to talk real quickly about that.
1: Yeah, so um so when we announced our 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 line of um, Balsa aircraft, both with the new Motion RCs Pro Fly brand and the Black Horse brand, uh, of which we're the North American uh, sole distributor. We also, some of our suit customers noticed that in the spare parts pages of those Balsa aircraft, we specified um, we specified motors, um, electric motors. Now we we do carry NGH for uh, for fuel. Uh, power plan, but people notice, hey, um, when are those electric retracts coming in? Mm. When are those electric uh, motors coming in? So they notice that those hit the website. So sort of as part of that continuing announcement that was made about four weeks ago, that those are on the way. That picture is just a quick picture I threw to you before we began the call to let people know that they're real, they're here, they're coming. Um, they they are already on the way. So, so in tandem with pushing... Balsa, really. We're not innovating here. We're really bringing. We're, we're, we're reaching across the aisle and bringing Balsa into our portfolio. Yeah. Um, we recognize you got to have the servos for them. You, they're not PMPs. You got to have the servos. You got to have the motors. You got to yeah. have the retracks. And so what we've done to support the Balsa push is not just order Balsa airplanes, but also people will notice we have a full complement of spare parts. Yeah. We work specifically with Black Horse to let them know look, we want spare parts too. Um, same, same conversation we have with all of our foam airplane uh, partners that we can't sell planes without parts. Even if we could, we wouldn't want to. And so we've done that, but it goes further than obviously spare wings and, and spare wheels. It's the components that put into those aircraft. So yeah. the motors and soon-to-be the retracts are part of that expansion where, again, partnering with factories that we know, that we trust, that um, that are going to be producing these motors to our specifications, mated with these aircraft, so that people can know that they're it's going to work. They're they're essentially bolt on. Yeah. yeah, it takes it takes away the guesswork. Yeah, if you're a person yeah. who, who likes yeah. to guess and experiment, that's awesome too. You know, more power to you. Um, we also recognize that there are a lot of people, certainly from our current foam electric customer family, who have seen balsa who have wanted to get into balsa but they need a bit of a transition they're not going to jump from an a10 into a pile of sticks they want something that feels familiar so we thought that uh, that leading with a a full line of electric motors would help people make that transition at the very least they're not guessing on the power system there is some leeway for servos and and you know things like that but it reduces the learning curve which is ultimately what we're trying to do um, and not just bring over existing Balsa flyers to the motion RC customer family, but also to give current motion RC family members who who aren't proficient in Balsa just yet an easy path to get into that side. Because again, some of them may love it. Some of them might not, but um, we think everyone should at least give it a try.
0: Cool. Tell the wife you, it's tell the wife it's only one more airplane. One more airplane. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She, she, she actually squealed with glee when i when i posted that photo of the uh, the the rack with one extra missing aircraft so <laughs> oh well. hey it's it's money in my pocket when i go to Flight fest and you never know what's going to come home with me um it sounds never know. well it sounds so goofy but for me it's i sh- there's no shipping costs and because i'm in the us for a week i can bring home 800 or 600 us uh worth of stuff tax free So it almost makes sense to actually find something. So what we find, what I decide. You're helping. Uh, I'm, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's the best way for me to bring home stuff. Um, the truck I paid an exorbitant amount of taxes on for, for, you know, and if I just waited, but I was impatient and unfortunately it cost me a little bit more than I was anticipating, but that's, that's, that's the price of being where I am. I'm, I'm actually running through the photos of the F 35 now for the viewers. Uh, there's one really nice painted up one with a really nice blue lightning scheme. Well, actually, no, that's stock, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's bone stock. So, the I think the picture I sh- I sent to you is the uh, on the ground. Yeah. And there's a factory. Uh, and then, uh, so there's, yeah. Yes. Factory photo is showing that we are we have an ongoing series on Hobby Squawk, just sort of a little bit behind the scenes because, I'm again, I work out of the factory every day. So, I can take some pictures and show people sort of what it looks like to make these aircraft. So, I think there's about 150 or so F 35s in that picture, if you count them all up. And then the one with the blue skies and the green background, that's from one of our customers, John Bergsmith, who just posted that on Hobby Squawk a couple of hours ago. That aircraft's bone stock. That just shows you what it comes like out of the box. Mm-hmm. The, paint, the decals are already on it. It screws together. There's no glue. Um, and we've seen people begin to fly them over the past 10 days or so, um, which, is, which is, again, it's always exciting for that new plane feel. As always, we're letting people know if you have any questions, concerns, issues, contact customer support. They're there to help you. Um, any ongoing discussions right now on Squawk for the F-18 and the F-35 with uh, questions people have, and, and we welcome all of that. But um, yeah. I like how the F-35 has turned out. Surprisingly, a massive seller really? uh, worldwide. Interesting.
0: Just, Interesting. I was that, that was the question I was going to follow up in comparison to some of your other aircraft because we uh you know it's a, you don't have a huge amount of of, of modern you know it's funny when we look at an F15 and think that that airframe is what pushing 30 plus 30, 40, 40, years. 40 years yeah, yeah. And, and 70s yeah. yeah and you go back oh god I'm just aged myself um but you will and, and <laughs> I be, and I bet a lot of the R&D development for that aircraft was started in the 60s you know um if I'm uh, you know it's so it's interesting to see that that all of a sudden you you're, you've guys, you you guys I mean the F18 oh man when the F 18 18, I was a kid in Germany when the first batch landed in baden Solingen. so yeah that airplane has even got uh, some you know the Canadian ones have got some years behind it um, yeah, yeah they do uh, you know what James needs to do in his rebuild now that he's completely tarnished that air he's got to rebuild that aircraft but maybe it's got to be a CFA team he might have had more <laughs> luck yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, push it. Push yeah, it. Yeah, you James. gotta put
0: the black on the bottom of it. Uh, you know, there there's an aircraft, uh, you know, if I was to buy one, just but I me and gray aircraft. I don't know. Well actually it's funny. Um <clears throat> an older dude last time I went to my my, optometrist, my uh, taking care of some business. She was like, Here, try a prescription for something a little longer distance. So I actually have in a couple of videos recently flown with those their driving glasses, but they make just that little crisper difference and i bet i would enjoy flying some of those harder to find uh aircraft um again I've, I've got one mustang that for whatever reason i just can't fly it <laughs> it's you know it's just, it's, just it's, it's i think i'm always on the edge of a stall with it so that's why it feels bad and the colors are just wrong we've, we've talked about that before um, michael rosnick is actually asking you a question any chance to get some new big uh hold on here new big multi-blade props Uh, at the larger balsa sizes to match the new aircraft outside of the vario prop they are very difficult to find larger diameters and then bill decker bill decker follows up with another question what's the newest project code name
1: Oh, Bill. (laughs) I'm going to answer Michael first. Okay. And and, and (laughs) one last thing.
0: James just put up a sad face. So I really, really hope, James, uh, we'll have to see more photos. But looking at that, it looks like it just pancaked. Uh, I haven't seen the video.
1: It's only... He only needs to replace the
0: fuse a lot. Yeah, he's okay. I, you know what? I would think... Repaint. Yeah, repaint, but I, it's even if he could save parts of it, it would be awesome to do. I think he's probably done a rebuild video before, but it, it can't hurt to produce something on this where he takes, okay, we're going to gut that's this a one. Really good idea. It, of course it's a great yeah. idea. <laughs> or he could it's send it idea. to me and I could rebuild it for him. Oh, yeah, that's the better idea. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> See what you All right, you got the
1: two questions, fire away. Um, to Michael's question about props, uh, yes, varial props, excellent. I think anyone who, used them, who uses them would agree. Um, they are pricey, so we are looking at a couple of options. Um, we haven't announced them just yet because we want to make sure all our ducks are in the row. But we, we have looked at the usual sp- suspects: the Bielas, the, the Master Air screws. Um, there, there are people who do it. The issue we're running into. I don't think this is a bad thing, but it is sort of the current state of things. Is that, um, as we discussed uh, maybe 30 minutes ago, balsa, you can make those at far fewer MOQs than you need to for uh, anything that's molded. Um, now, the molding constraint plays into props. If I walk into a prop house and say, I want a prop, I, I want a heck, I want a five-blade prop for that PC-9 or I'm going to do a PC-21, and you ask them for something, the MOQs are very prohibitive. So unfortunately, we're frankly limited to props that already exist out there in the market, Mm -hmm. at least for the time being. So what I would would counter your question with a challenge, with an invitation to your listeners, to if any of you have flown multi-blade props on some of your larger Balsa aircraft and you know of a supplier that, you think we should check out, um, send us an email, call us, you know, I yeah. can, I can walk into their door probably within the week <laughs> and, and really, <laughs> you know, think of me as that, um, I am literally that guy. Um, but, but we, in, in times like this, we were more than open to customer feedback and input as to what has been tried and tested. Yeah. That'll certainly, uh, hasten the day that we can sign off on someone because while we are testing some props now, Obviously, when you're talking about propellers, servos, motors, things that keep so aircraft in the sky, things, yeah, yeah, it's it's not just tested once or twice and it's good. These are months long evaluation programs that we put them through, um, and so customer feedback, customer um, customer insight, helps to accelerate that that evaluation process. So help me help you, Michael. Uh, to Bob's question yeah. about the uh, the latest the latest project name. So project names, as I've mentioned in the past, uh, our production schema is not linear at at any given time. In fact, at the top of this podcast, I I mentioned how uh, earlier today I I flew a prototype for an aircraft that's going to be produced in probably 20 months. And I landed it and picked up an aircraft uh, right next to it. That's, we're going to be announcing, you know, before the end of the year. Um, So, it would be disingenuous for me to give you, Bob, a, a, a project name for what is next because, again, nothing is nothing is next until it's actually next. <laughs> uh, we sort of developed – it's, it's true. We developed many aircraft. We actually produced them. We've talked about this in the past. We, we produced them in, at times. Um, granted, the investments are high. We'll park an aircraft. We'll hold it and wait until conditions are right. Until the weather gets good again until the sun comes out. so the snow goes away. Just there are a lot of there are a lot of considerations uh, when you're looking at an aircraft that could require six hundred parts from fifty two different suppliers in the context of like a model like the a ten. Um, all of those people need to need to be ready to move forward. And so uh, so that that is why I'm just trying to explain again for viewers who maybe haven't heard it in the past. That's why, we develop two years worth of products all at the same time and they're all at different stages along that process um if i were to (laughs) i'll feel like i'm invaded into uh giving another name over which people will create a, a a fervor um you know if i were to give another name it would probably be what's a fun one that no one will ever guess so no one will ever guess any of these but um no. Uh, you know what? Bob. Bob.
0: <laughs> Bill Jecker says that's Actually, awesome, Bob. Bob. can mean so many things.
1: But Bill on, the, on on the day that uh, on the day that we release Project Bob, just look for it. It'll happen between tomorrow and 2 years, two from, years today. from today. At the point that you see that form go post go live on Hobby Spock and you see that's Project Bob, ping me. <laughs> And I will take a picture. I'm actually doing it right now. I'm going to take a picture on my uh, on my war room planning mm-hmm. wall where it Bob. says Project, project Bob. Bob. I have my pipeline here. And I will send this picture to you, timestamp, so you'll know. <laughs> here we go. Just took the picture. You'll know that I didn't make that up just now. That is an active there project. Go. There you go. And, uh, and there you go. Now, again, may happen today. May happen two years from today when it happens, if you message me, I'll send you this picture just here. <laughs> so the one last thing we'll, uh, we'll very quickly
0: go because we're actually approaching 90 minutes. I didn't think we could have that much steam, but we're doing pretty darn good. Um, Easy. Audrey. Oh, I, I, I know that. Uh, it's just it's a beautiful Sunday. So some of us are actually going to try and get outside. You gotta- uh, actually, there you go. Will it be a B-17? Oh, geez, guys, killing us. Yeah. Um, no is he Ryan. supposed to uh I, I want a lancaster before a 17 guys come on priorities priorities uh jet jam you came up with a new strategy um to help uh your your social media end of it and i quite like that because um well social media is what social media so talk away through well uh well i have the uh the video up of the um uh, not the video, but the, I've got the yeah. website up. So anybody wants to go over, check out the Hobby Squad <clears> post. But there are a ton of photos um, starting on page six.
1: Yeah, so something we noticed, James and I, James, obviously, our marketing manager, we're talking about, we're talking about Joe Nall, talking about EDF Jet Jam. We have guys like Steve and George Baker who, who show up at events um, uh, like Joe Nall. And really, they and, and just so many others. Uh, showed up and volunteered their time, drove in, flew in. And it really reinforced to us the sense that no one's getting rich on this side of the hobby, guys. But we're having a lot of fun. And we're having a lot of fun because of our customer family that frankly, you know, they're friends. Um, and, and that is really, I think, you know, you can cue the, savvy, the sappy music, but it's true, right? The, the best part of this hobby is the other guy next to you. Talking to him, talking about what he's flown, talking about a crash, and so we wanted to keep that that going and continue to perpetuate it and, and really just support that. By um, by last weekend, Stuart was off at Camden, which is sort of the UK's version of Jonal, and James was at um, was at Nefie this past weekend. Weekend prior was EDF Jet Champ. We weren't able to physically show up, but we thought. Our customers are going. Our friends are going. They have the airplanes. Everyone's got a cell phone camera in their pocket. I'm not saying any of this was innovative, um, but we thought for once, why don't we, uh, why don't we encourage people to post photos and squawk of themselves at the event? And for every five photos you posted in a given day, your name went in a hat. And at the end of the, at the end of the three day event, we gave away an Avanti. So. It doesn't seem like rocket science, but in two days, we get 200 pictures. And, and one of the guys got an airplane, and I'm sure he's enjoying it. But most importantly, now we have a place where people can look, and we've seen people from, who weren't able to show up to, at that event, and people from, frankly, around the world, call in, message us, WeChat, Facebook, um, Hobby squawk Arts Groups, and what have you, just to say, I have that airplane, too. Or that looks like fun. I want to go next year. You know, it seems small, but events, this sort of becomes this recurring theme, right, on, 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 on so many of our podcasts over the past couple of years now, that meeting people where they're at and and participating in the hobby means meeting other people, means flying with other people, crashing with other people. Um uh, commiserating. It, it means it means engaging other people. As much as the airplanes are such a big focal point of the hobby, they're really almost second to all that happens when we're on the ground. And um, so if, you're, if for your viewers, I can't see anything from my side, but for your viewers looking through those pictures, we hope that that just continues what is already going uh, keeps going. That people continue to post photos to share, whether it's us or not, whether it, whether it's a motion RC product or not, we don't care. We just want people to show other people how much they're enjoying this hobby. Maybe that means we'll convince their wives that it's okay. <laughs> um, maybe not, but at the very least, you know, my earnest hope, my abiding hope, is that some kid's going to put down a Xbox controller and take notice of that video of someone flying something, you know, some young girl is going to show up at, at at an event with her uncle and is going to grow up to be an aerospace engineer. I mean, that's how it happens. That's how so many of us now in those fields came to be in those fields. And I feel it's a strong part of our duty to to make sure that that doesn't go away something yeah. as simple as a picture on a cell phone can do that so my parting <sighs> invitation to everyone listening is it's summer
0: go fly the yeah, sun's get out get outside you have yeah. a
1: phone go fly take a picture you know and and i would I'd be
0: so grateful. Cool. Well, and, and on that note, I think it's probably a good way to sum up the show. We've had a good time. Uh, I'm actually going to be getting out because I'm going to go and get some silicone spray paint, or not spray paint, but coating for my tent. So it's all ready for Flight Fest. I got my Flight Fest t-shirt on, folks. Uh, so coming weeks, i will be me getting ready for that, figure out what I'm brewing, what I'm bringing, and then getting out to that. Uh, I don't know if uh, if uh, you know we'll do anything live before then and uh and we'll see if we can get the crew back in for a podcast next week maybe we'll talk to chris and see how everybody's schedule is going together uh alpha huge thank you for uh for joining in on the podcast and making it uh and hanging okay. out with me for the last hour and a half that's been fun
1: and uh yeah, yeah
0: there we go ladies and I'm gentlemen
1: I'm going to go work on Cronus. so you guys have a nice uh, Sunday cool afternoon. Cool
0: stuff. Thank you, Alpha. And uh, everybody, enjoy the, uh, the rest of your Sunday. See you later, folks. Bye.